0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service.
1: Please turn to number (laughs) 175, and we'll begin our worship with Break Thou the Bread of Life. Jesus is in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. We will now have our call to worship this morning.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> call to worship this morning is Psalm 118, verses 1 through 6. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say, that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Mm. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear, What can man do unto me? Amen.
1: Amen. That's the thing. Um, God is on our side and we need to make sure we're on his side. Uh, Let's enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Singing number 10. Praise to the Lord the Almighty. Number 10. God, we've gathered here this morning together in your presence in order to worship you. It is all about you and and not about us. So we pray you will help us to just um, let go of all distractions, uh, blot them out of us, Um, Help us to focus totally on you and let nothing, nothing get in the way of our worship of you. We pray it would just be you and us, and we are totally focused on you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, if you will take um, your bulletin inserts, we will pray our prayer of confession. Our Father. Forgive us for thinking small thoughts of you and ignoring your immensity and greatness. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we forget that you rule the nations and our small lives. Holy Spirit, we offend you in minimizing your power and squandering your gifts. We confess that our blindness to your glory, O trying God, has resulted in shallow confession, tepid conviction, and only mild repentance. Have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, Amen. And keep your bulletin inserts because the next song we're going to sing is You Are My All In All, and the words are on the Bulletin Insert. this morning.
2: Scripture this morning is from St. Mark 10 and Psalm 119. This is verses 17 to 31. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy mother and father. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is possible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Amen. Amen. And this is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. That is the word of God. And now we will uh, go to the Lord together in prayer. Almighty and eternal God, we praise you for the salvation you have given in your Son and the gift of faith given through his faithfulness, his faithfulness to always do your will. We ask that in this season of Lent, leading up to the day when the Savior died, to give us release from the penalty of sin, that we will be giving over enough of our time every day to meditate on the suffering He went through on our behalf so that we may try to comprehend the extent of his love and all that he endured to reconcile us to you. And may we count the cost of discipleship and gladly pay it in thanksgiving to you for all we have received in the Messiah, who is the head of the new eternal family, the church which we were baptized into, by the Holy Spirit. Please, please, it is not too late for us to be obeying Jesus' last command to make disciples and to be teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded so they can be part of the family too. So please help us in our faithful obedience to the faithful one. And also just generally speaking, help us to realize there is no human solution to the mess that we have made for ourselves by following too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. And even if every Christian casts a vote for that which is right, the right candidate, the right referendum, the wrong candidate in the wrong referendum still could get more than 50% of the vote. So help us to use the weapons you have given us, prayer, your word, the Holy Spirit, and the cross of Christ applied in our lives to change the hearts of our neighbors. That's all you're calling us to do. I don't think any of us is being called to go thousands of miles. And we also do pray for all of our brothers and sisters around the world. And I was reminded again this week in in the Daily Bread that someday around your throne, people of every uh, nation, language, tribe, and tongue will be united. So we should start preparing now. Now, for ourselves, we we pray for people that we know need um, housing, Elon, Al, and some other people. We pray for strength and health for Allie, Christine, Sally, Noel. We pray for those confined, Doris, Cindy, Fran. Father, we also... um Pray for those who are embarking on new endeavors in their lives. I know Debbie's one of those. And for all of us, all of us, help us to discover with your help new and creative ways to do your will for us. And Father, we pray that um, after the benediction, when we have our... um, uh, Tribute celebratory meal, we pray that Dave would just realize how much he is loved by you and us. And please help me to explain and interpret and apply your word. And please, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would change us starting now and and little by little over time. And let it all begin with me. And then most of all, we pray for the presence of both the Holy Spirit and Jesus in the sacrament. And now, Lord, I thank you that when there's no more words that I can pray, that we can pray, that come from us, Jesus left us with a prayer that just covers all the important things. So we pray it together with one heart and one voice. Our Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, heaven, And the glory forever. Amen. And it's true. Amen again. So, before we go into God's Word, we're going to sing the one song that totally sums up everything we heard read already in the Word this morning. And that is the song, I Surrender All, which is number 408. 408. Amen. Well, before I actually get into the message this morning, Let me just say that from July of 2004 to January of 2007, with time off for Lent and Advent, I preached through the Gospel of Mark in in detail. And it's kind of interesting to go back and compare then with now. But I want to give you some background that's very important this morning. There are two main ways to look at Mark's gospel. And I had two powerful commentaries in addition to some others. And the first one shows that in Mark's gospel, after his third healing on the Sabbath, so we're talking about the very beginning of chapter three, the Pharisees and the Herodians, okay, Jews and Romans, enemies, plot together to kill Jesus. And from this point on, the gospel continues to focus on how Jesus will save people by his death on the cross, which he predicts three times. In other words, dominating Mark's gospel from beginning to end is the cross of Jesus Christ and the price he paid for our sins. But secondarily to that, and this is very, interesting because people have tied themselves in knots for as it is written in the book of Isaiah and then he quotes Zechariah. Well, there's supposed to be a whole page turn between those two. So Mark also comes at The idea that Jesus came as a servant, a servant to give his life to ransom people, Mark 10. And in this way, he fulfilled all of Isaiah's prophetic words, especially the four servant songs in the second portion of the book of Isaiah. And then... More importantly, what does this mean to us? I shouldn't say more importantly, but practically, what does this mean to us? Well, just as Jesus went to his cross, his followers must take up their crosses and follow him. So there it is. It's about the cross and the suffering servant and how Isaiah is perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. And what I have just said is a very good thing for us to meditate about and on and to practice beginning this very first Sunday of Lent and going all the way through Good Friday and what is called Silent Saturday before the resurrection. So... Now to get more particular, our passage this morning is about a conflicted well-to-do man who ran up to Jesus and kneeled before him. This passage reflects the theme of the sacrifice needed to follow Jesus. I surrender all. And in order to receive life everlasting. Now he thought he could do something to inherit this life that is everlasting. Um, Do something to inherit a gift but that's not quite how it works. He, 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 there was one way that he was right. That's kind of interesting. I was thinking about a human inheritance, uh, any inheritance. What has to happen to get an inheritance? The, the the giver has to die, right? So what can you do? You know, murder is out of the question. But you can patiently and productively wait until that person dies and you inherit it. But that's really all that you can do. But we heard this morning already, Jesus did put forward the condition it's humanly impossible, but he put forward the condition. He would have to sell this man, okay? He's not saying this for everybody, and I'll develop this more later. But this man had to sell his many possessions and then give the entire proceeds to the poor, and moreover, follow Jesus. But the man was so attached to his possessions that he walked away sad and still lost, and we don't know what happened to him later. And then Jesus went and said, okay, you're my disciples now. I've chosen you, and you are following me. Um, He said, salvation is impossible through human effort, but God has more, more than enough power to save. And then he added that People who, out of gratitude for their salvation from God, are willing to leave everything behind and follow him. They will get back more, even now. Of course, there'll be some persecutions thrown in. But it will all be worth it. This is the point I want us to get this morning, the heart of the passage. It will be worth it in the age to come, receiving life everlasting in the presence of God. So, one more thing. The psalm just beautifully captures the whole spirit of this, encouraging people to know God and his word in order to worship him reverently. And those who can do this will discover, discover that God and his word are more desirable than all the gold in the world and that's an awful lot of stuff. So let's go deeper into our scriptures this morning uh, to reinforce these very general truths with specifics. So when it comes to the passage um, in Mark, it neatly divides into two halves, Jesus and the man, And Jesus and his disciples. So we'll start with this man asking Jesus what he may do for lasting life. And Jesus says he must give up his possessions now for treasure in eternity. But he goes away sad and still lost. All right. So it starts with the man. Okay, quickly summarized, he runs up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit life everlasting? And Jesus then questions him concerning the second great commandment. So we'll go through it now phrase by phrase. He's on a journey in the way. One, having run and having kneeled to him, he was asking him, teacher, good what may I be doing that life for the ages I may receive as an inheritance? So, Jesus is going about his way. He's always going about his way. And what we would call interruptions don't bother him one little bit. So, a man runs up to him, kneels in worship, and he makes a request. And here's his request. He wanted to know what he may do. So the result would be literally life for an eon, which actually is a Greek word come into English and dropping the A. And then Jesus says, why me thou are calling good? No one good, if not, or except one God. Here's a reality check, okay? Okay. With this question and his following statement, Jesus is saying, do you fully understand who I am? Okay. It's a reality check for this man and for all of us. And it's something we might meditate on during the season of Lent. Jesus is God. A lot of people try to say no, but he is he he's, brings that out over and over again. So then he goes on, and this is specially designed for this man. actually. He says, the commandments thou have known. Not thou may murder. Not thou may commit adultery. Not thou may steal. Not thou may bear false witness. Not thou may defraud. And thou must be honoring the father of thee and the mother. So Jesus now gives five of the six commandments that make up the second great commandment to love thy neighbor as thyself. And, and, and I believe because he talked about false witness and then he brings in fraud, he does this, uh, because Massive wealth accumulation usually involves some measure of defrauding somebody else. But I think with Jesus, it was beyond a probability, even though he wasn't going to directly challenge him, he probably knew some of that wealth was not acquired the right way. Okay, but now I have a question for you all, and, and if you've read study Bibles or commentaries or heard sermons on this passage or been in Bible studies, you probably know the answer. Which one of the six love thy neighbor commandments did Jesus leave out here? You can read it if you want. the Sabbath, though? That's a God one. That's the first commandment, the first great commandment. Coveting, coveting. He did not say thou may not covet. And what's really important about, well, I'll I'll wait, I'll wait my time on this. Um, So now the man says, because Jesus pulled back on one of them. He kept all of these. Jesus loved him, but asked just one more thing of him, to give to the poor so that he may have eternal treasure. But he could not do this and went away sad. So the man is saying to him, Teacher, these all I have kept from my youth. And as you think about those, you know, five kind of extreme ones, and everybody thinks of the extreme, not the Sermon on the Mount. Um, many people really think they have obeyed these five commandments, okay? I didn't kill anybody. I never committed physical adultery. I don't lie too much. Uh, I haven't cheated anybody. I have been honoring my parents the best I can. I'm a good boy. I'm a good girl. But Paul used coveting, if you remember in Romans 7. And Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees who did everything to the letter of the law. And he said, I would not have known what sin is if the commandments had not said, thou shalt not covet. So it wasn't really just this man. Then Mark continues, then Jesus, having earnestly beheld him, loved him. And said to him, one thing is being lacking thee. Thou must be going. Whatsoever thou are having, thou must sell. And thou must give to the poor. And promise thou will have treasure in heaven. And come, thou must be following me. Now, this is interesting. The, the word here for look is not the usual word. It's a stronger word. He really focused on him for a while. And after closely looking at him and probably into his heart even. And realized this man was sincere at this point with these commands. He loved him. He loved him. But one thing. There's always in every one of us. One thing, at least one thing, in which every human being falls short, falls short of what God expects of us. And so Jesus gives him three or four commands that will help him to overcome his sin of covetousness. Now, if he could give everything to the poor, he would have treasure in heaven. And the big question here right now, The infinitely valuable question, more than a million-dollar question, can he give up everything in order to have no money for, let's say, 60 years? Let's say he accumulated this great wealth by age 25. He's not going to likely live past 85, right? So can he give this all away for eternal treasure? And meanwhile, for no more than 60 years, he follows Jesus with nothing. And I think this whole story is telling us he didn't realize that what people give up for Jesus is just given up temporarily. It's only temporary, it's not for eternity, forever, and ever. Amen. But then we're told, but he, having been saddened at the word, went away being sorrowed because he was having many possessions. His desire to keep his possessions caused him to walk away from everlasting life. Sad and grieving. Now, John Foreman has written some lyrics. Switchfoot has a song which says, and this is powerful, You possess your possessions or they possess you. And it was probably written with this story in mind. This man sadly was fully possessed by his possessions to his eternal harm. And then going on, it says, having looked around, Jesus is saying to his disciples, how with difficulty, those possessions having into the kingdom of God, they will enter. Okay. Possessions can keep people out of God's kingdom. So here is our first application for Advent. We must prayerfully Advent, I mean Lent. They sound kind of alike, don't they? Um, Let's prayerfully examine ourselves concerning the obstacle of coveting, which can stop us from experiencing the fullness of kingdom of God. Now, there's many other obstacles that we can have in our lives too, and we've got almost 40 days left. So that deals with the man. The second half now, the disciples have their minds blown, okay? And they ask, who can be saved? And Jesus replied, salvation is only in God. And once somebody is saved, anyone who's willing to leave all for his sake for a mixed return now and something better later will have full blessings, will be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And then we'll take a look at a paragraph in David's psalm, which said, God's word, knowing God through his word, enables people to value him more than gold. So that's like the punchline for especially disciples, but for everybody. Okay, so it starts out with the disciples being amazed that those who are blessed with riches by God, they have to struggle to enter God's kingdom. And then they ask Jesus, so who can be saved? Mark tells us, but the disciples were being astonished at his words. These words caused the disciples to be both amazed and startled. You see, Jewish prosperity theology took the generalities of Proverbs that talked about the prosperity of the righteous. And they made these general observations about life into pure promises. But, Those of us who are watching the chosen know that all people are conflicted, right? And even among the Jews who thought that they could be prosperous for uh, being righteous and following God, uh, I love this saying that we hear uh, in episode after episode and things that happen to the disciples of Jesus even early on talked about they wanted to crucify him, and he had, hadn't even called the 12 yet. It has never been easy for our people. And that's pure wisdom, the wisdom of blessings to the rich. That's more Job's friends. Okay, continuing. But Jesus, again having answered, is saying to them, children, how difficult it is being into the kingdom of God to enter easier it's being for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a well-to-do man into the kingdom of God to enter. So Jesus is repeating to his disciples what he had said just after the man left. First, he said, beware of many possessions. Now he just uses a different word. Um, The well-to-do are also struggling Now, I don't know how many bad Bible studies you've been to or bad commentaries or study Bibles you've read, but... He really is saying that no human can enter God's kingdom, especially well-to-do people on their own efforts. I'm not even going to go into them, but you've probably all heard people try to explain away the impossibility of this metaphor or image. There's all kinds of junk out there. But the bottom line, Jesus is saying that it's impossible on our own but by the grace of God, those who can give up what they have for the rest of their life on earth in order to follow him for eternal um, blessings and eternal life, it becomes worth it for eternity. He's trying to say, look, follow God, gratefully give up all you have, because what you give up to follow him, is just temporary, and now we got a bigger word. But all the more, they were being amazed, saying to themselves also, who is being able to be saved? Now, this word used here that they're experiencing, here's the basic meaning of it. Bewildered. Or overwhelmed in practice, okay, this is no longer theory. Jesus is hitting them between the eyes in real life. They see this rich man go away. And then the best of all is to be struck out of one's senses. They just can't make sense of what Jesus is saying to them. And it's very interesting that they should ask each other, not Jesus, who can be saved But I think they're on the right track here because when they say, be saved, that question is implying that salvation, in order for salvation to happen, it's something that somebody does for people, not something that is done by people. And realizing it can't be done by them is that man presumed they're on the right track. So Jesus uh, throws them more information to help them. He says that um, God can do what people cannot. Then in response to Peter, he says, and yes, anyone who leaves everything for Jesus, for his sake, will receive much more now and especially in the life to come. So, and, 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 and hear this, having earnestly beheld them, Jesus is saying with men, impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. This look it is the exact same word, the exact same look that he gave, the look of love that he gave to this man who first approached him. And now Jesus strongly states that what men are not able to do to save themselves, God is strong, mighty, and powerful enough to do Anything, including saving people. Another picture forward to the cross, actually. Okay? So, here's something for us to do. This isn't just 2,000 years ago. We must realize no one can save himself so that we will fully trust in God's power to save us. And also realize that whatever following Jesus costs, it is nothing compared to eternity. Eternity with God in his presence. So again, what we have to give up to follow Jesus is just temporary. So now Peter begins to say to him. So Peter, you know he could go on and on and on. So he starts with this. Behold. We have left all and we have followed thee. Now the tense of that verb, Peter's reminding Jesus, these 12 left everything behind to follow him and they are still following him. Everything that's happened to this point, nothing has turned us away from following you. And then we're told Jesus is saying truly, I'm saying to you all, no one is being who is left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or for the sake of the gospel if not he may receive a hundredfold now in this time houses brothers sisters mothers children lands with persecutions. There's a lot in this statement of Jesus. First of all, he lists five relationships that might be asked to leave, that we might be asked to leave, and he brackets these with two possessions that many people will have, houses and some land. Why, Why is he asking this? He's asking this sacrifice for the sake of him and for his gospel. And what's the gospel? Namely, what he will give his very life so that anyone may be saved. Again, the cross is here. And then he pronounces a hundred times more. More in this age. Okay. Now. How can you have a hundred times more relationships and, and possessions like houses and land? I believe the answer is when a person is joined. To the church of Jesus by being baptized into the church by the Holy Spirit. And remember at the end of Acts chapter two, it said, in the early church, all the believers had everything in common. It becomes a new family. The blessing of being a Christian and any Christian that is in a local church of a hundred people or knows a hundred Christians, you have as a hundred times more brothers, sisters, you share your possessions, it's a hundred times better to be in God's church. But, and here's the kicker and it's only in Mark, but it's true. There will be persecution because the world hates Jesus and his people. I've given you four references from gospel acts three and from an epistle. So here's the hard part, but that's what Lent's all about, right? May we accept that persecution persecutions, plural, are part of the present day reward, air quotes, for leaving everything to follow Jesus. But then Jesus gets to the bottom line. And in the age coming, life everlasting, that's eternal life. That's abundant life. That's fruitful life. It's the best life of all. So now we're coming full circle, okay? This man had run up and said, I want to possess eternal life. What can I do? And Jesus says, it's not what you do. It's what God does for you. But if you will respond to what God has done for you, then you can have life that's everlasting. And Jesus can say this to his followers because their hearts are more open. And he's saying it to us. Remember, whatever we give up for the sake of following Jesus, it's only temporary, just for this lifetime in this world. And then Jesus concludes, and I'm not sure if it's even part of this story, but he says it a lot, especially at the end of the vineyard parable, but many, they will be first now, last in the kingdom and vice versa, the last first. So there's always reversals from human understanding in God's kingdom. Well, that's all about Mark, and I just love that this lectionary I'm using always picks such a perfect portion of the psalm. We we hear in this paragraph that was read, God's word is complete to make people wise, and then through worship, God makes people righteous so they value him above gold. Let me again go through it um, line by line. There's um, uh, four full lines here, eight half lines. Torah of Yahweh is complete, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is established, making wise the simple. The statues of Yahweh are upright, rejoicing the heart, and the commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. So David gives four truths about God's word. His instruction is complete, perfect, full. His testimony is established. Everything in the word is there. It's true. It's solid. His statues are upright, straight, Good. And his commandment is pure. And as a result, David said, God's word gives these four benefits. People's souls are restored. Simple people are made wise. People's hearts can rejoice. And um, eyes are enlightened. Jesus talked a lot about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Next, and this is the key truth in here. The fear of Yahweh is pure, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true, righteous altogether. It all starts with the fear of the Lord. And our seminary president put this right. Fear of the Lord means faith. Okay. Faith isn't just something that's from us. It's from God. And when we realize how awesome God is so that we revere him, we have reverent fear of him. Everything falls into place. We have faith in the awesome God. Reverent worship for God is pure and everlasting. I didn't check the Septuagint, but I imagine eon is there, which brings us back to what we saw in the gospel. And by his true judgments, the covenant God is able to make people righteous through salvation in Jesus. David only had a hint of it in his days. And then it says, being desired more than gold and much refined gold and sweeter more than honey even dripping honey. So this poetry portion says that God and his word, perfected and completed, we now know, in Jesus and his gospel, are to be more desired than gold. And all people may possess this. And it doesn't matter what you have. You can be richer than that well-to-do man or like the poor widow with just two mites. Knowing God, worshiping God is the greatest thing. So let's worship him. Reverent worship of Yahweh is more desirable than all the gold in the world. And sweetest of all, such worship will be sweeter than the sweetest honey we can find in all creation. We even sang a song about creation this morning. So here's the bottom line, and then I'll wrap it up. Let us worship God by giving him all that he asks of us. It'll be different for each of us and different for different local churches. But let's just give it back to him in Thanksgiving. And may we definitely leave here today placing a higher value on God than anything in the world. Don't let anything get in the way of continual worship of God, praising of him, putting him number one. That's what it's all about. So let me summarize it. A man who runs to Jesus and kneels before him asks what he may do to inherit life for the age. And he's told he must give all he has to the poor and follow Jesus to have treasure in eternity. But he goes away sad and lost at that moment. So the disciples ask Jesus, who can be saved? And he replies that salvation is only possible in God. So once people have salvation in God through Jesus, they're willing to leave everything to follow him because they know they will receive more now in two ways. And everything later Eternity in his presence, life that is life. And God's word makes people wise to worship him and value him more than gold. So it's all about God and his word, the eternal word, Jesus Christ. And remember what people give up to follow Jesus. It's just for this lifetime. It's temporary. It's not eternal. So now let us prepare our hearts for communion. I actually think this song, Here I Am to Worship, is a very good preparation. It covers pretty much everything. about what Paul wrote in that letter to the Ephesians, that his prayer was that we would all be able to comprehend the breadth and the width and the height and the depth. And what he was talking about there was what Jesus did on the cross. And until we can really understand the cross, we can never understand the love of Christ with which he finishes that paragraph. But we now have the um, blessing and opportunity to partake of communion, and and I hope everybody has their kit. And now let's take our bulletin inserts and go through our responsive reading. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing.
0: Jesus identified Himself.
1: So come to the table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more. You
0: who have been here often, and you who have not been
1: for a long time, and you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet Him here. Loving God. Through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things.
0: we celebrate the life that Jesus has shared
1: among all his community through the centuries and shares with us now, may one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves, a single living act of praise. Amen. And now, before we partake of the elements, let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that He is Lord of all and we prepare for His coming kingdom. We pray through You, Holy Spirit, this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at His command. Unite us to Christ, as one body in him, and give us strength to serve you in the world. And to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And let us now partake of the elements. I wrote that article on silence and solitude because I'm still struggling with learning how to be silent in God's presence. But it's something I think we all need more of. Let us sing for our last hymn, number 179, How Firm a Foundation. It's a great song of truth about Jesus Christ, 179. Our good word this morning comes from the Apostle Peter at the beginning of his first letter. And if you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Amen. And now let's close with this chorus. We haven't sung in a while, but it's so important. In light of all we've heard, let us sing from our hearts, 228, I love you, Lord.